Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to have you in church this morning. And uh, I assume that everybody knows the score of the rugby. Does everybody know? Does anybody mind if I tell the score? Huh? Well, I only Sophie would. Yeah. Sorry, Sophie. <laughs> Sophie's our Scottish person here. So, yeah, Ireland have won the rugby. And they've won it by scoring four tries. And so they've beaten Scotland, and that's a bonus point win, which probably means they'll win the group if they play well in the rest of it. So I just wanted to get that out of the way, and now I want you to concentrate. Okay, if you have your Bibles, look up for me 1 John chapter 4. I was tempted to read all of this, but I'll just maybe highlight a couple of verses. It's on page 1227. So it's 1 John chapter 4. And this is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John and that we'll be looking at later on in chapter 13. This is a kind of go-to chapter if you want to know about the love of God and if you want to understand about that love. And of course, we're going to be looking at the command that Jesus gives us to love one another. Um, so if you start there, if you've got First John 4, verse, and verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. So love comes from God. And if you go to verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I mean, so that reverses it. It's not that, we, it's not that we desire this love for God. It's that we understand the love that God gives to us. And if you want to know where to understand that, it is in the cross. So the washing of the disciples' feet moves us to the cross. And we'll see today that Jesus giving this piece of bread to Judas is an act of love, but it pushes us towards the cross. So this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And finally, just to look at verse 16 and the second half, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And the very essence, folks, of the Christian faith is about that relationship with God. The responses we make are about whether we love God or we don't love God. And the reality is that God is love, and we need to know that, and we need to begin to want to live in that love, even though life can be very tough at times, as we'll see later on. So, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. And so, with our thoughts focused on God, Let's just come and sing our first song, which is praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Let's praise him in glad adoration for all that he has done. And let's stand to sing this morning. Well, let's uh, bow our heads and let's uh, open our hearts to the Lord as we talk to him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, how lovely it is to gather together uh, with people of all ages, uh, with people from all over the world, uh, 
and to sing our great Redeemer's praise. Father, we praise you that you are the Lord Almighty, that you have created us as you wanted us to be, male and female. And Father, that you placed us where you wanted us to be in the countries of our origin. And that, Father, that you have brought us together at this time. It is an amazing thought that we live under the mighty sovereignty of a holy and special God. And Father, I pray that as we begin to open our hearts and minds to you and look outside of ourselves to the glory of who you are, that, Father, that we might just begin to comprehend your size as we think about the universe and its vastness that we might comprehend your creativity as we think to, of the variety that we experienced in Culture Night on Friday, that we might begin to comprehend the depth of your love as we have already read, as we think of you sending your Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be forgiven and that we might be welcomed through the curtain into the living presence of a holy and loving God. Father, we are a people who have been immensely blessed. And so we lift our voices in glad adoration to you today. And Father, we thank you that as we come, that you open yourself to us, that you desire to be known and, uh, Father, we realize that as we begin to come into your presence, as the, as the light shines in the darkness of our hearts, Father, we realize that we so often put other things ahead of you. And, that, Father, that we make choices in our lives, that when we come into your presence and we gaze upon who you truly are and we see your love for us, Lord, we're, we just wonder at why we do it. We're surprised at the darkness of our hearts. We're surprised at the coldness of our hearts. We're surprised, Father, that we do not give to you as you have given to us. Father, you love us, and our love and response is so very cold. So, Father, I pray that we will start afresh this morning, that we will ask for your forgiveness for that coldness, that we will open our hearts to you, that we will respond to you, and that, Lord, that we will listen, and that, Father, that we will know you better at the end of this service than we do just now. So, Father, forgive us. And, Father, we pray that as we meet together that you will bless everyone who takes part. We pray that you will help us to really open our eyes to one another and to the privilege that is ours to get to know one another and to serve one another and, uh, Father, to develop relationship with one another. And, Father, I pray that you will help us to do that and to want to do that. Father, we thank you for those who take time to prepare uh, for this service, uh, thinking particularly of those who teach in Sunday Special and K2, for their desire that they might communicate the greatness and, of our God and the teaching of our God with our young people in an age-appropriate way. We thank you for Ray, who has taken time in his busy day to come and teach us from your word uh, in terms of reaching the children. 
And Father, we thank you for all the different aspects of this service. Thank you for Ken and for those who lead us in music. Thank you, Father, for their preparation and for their sharing of their gifts. And so, Father, as we gather this morning, we pray that we might know the blessing of being in the presence of such an almighty and loving God, and that, Father, that you will warm our hearts to you and to each other. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what we're going to try and do um, in our services in the mornings, uh, well, Sunday mornings, is that we're going to look at some of the ministries that we do in Adelaide Road, and we're going to then redo this time tomorrow as well. And so we'll kind of intersperse those for a while. So we're going to start with International Cafe. Um, and uh, we, Ethan was to be here today, but sadly Ethan can't be with us. Um, and he sends his apologies. But we have a very good alternative. Just ask as he's come in the door. So this is totally unscripted and unprepared. And so Ezekiel is going to come and tell us all about International Cafe, which starts on Friday, by the way. Good morning. Well, as Sam told you, this is completely unscripted. So let me read my notes then. No, I'm kidding. Um, three years, seven months, and 31 days ago, one person arrives into Dublin Airport, goes through immigration, likely without any problems, and then arrives into Dublin. He came here to study uh, in the, and to finish his MBA in the in a university that's called UCD. And after just two or three days of living in a hostel and trying to find accommodation in the city, he notices that he is a little bit alone, far from his family. Um, even though he understands English and he speaks it quite well, he noticed that the, uh, probably the Irish speak in some other ways as well. Uh, and he struggles with that. And also he finds that even though he has to go to univer the university and do works, assignments, etc., he has a lot of time on his hands. As you may have noticed already, that person is myself. Uh, similar story with my wife, but one year before that, with the difference that uh, she probably, well, she didn't have any problems in immigration, that was good, but uh, she, did, she did struggle with English, so noting, no English whatsoever, and she came through the doors and then right in, into the, uh, the world of Ireland. Why am I telling you this story? It's because that person, one of the first things that uh, he tried to do. So what I first tried to do was to try to find a community. But not everybody knows that when they come into, into an unknown country. As you know, International Cafe is um, part of this church, and it is a group that's targeted to international students, hence the international. I don't know what the cafe part is for because there is no coffee. <laughs> but... But that was one of the places where I found that three of the main problems that I had were trying to be resolved. First, I had the opportunity to engage with um, Irish people and try to get used to their 
uh, to the way of speaking English. Another one is that I um, I got to what's the, what's the one that I was going to say here? It's completely unscripted, as I told you. Uh, the other one is that I, um, uh, besides practicing English, I got something to do with my time, which is was very very good at that time. And also, I got to know other people. I got to get in, into a community. Um, and that, those three things that International Café does and do it very well is something that we all as a church have to support in different ways, by praying, by, by your um, weekly or monthly donations to, to the church, because we use that money as well to pay these things, and also by participating in it. And my experience in International Café is that I got to know uh, lots of people that some of them are not in the church today, but it connected me to Christian people, non-Christian people that were looking for something to do and something to connect to. So that's what International Café does. And that's what I, I think is so good about it. In Sundays, we have our tea after the sermon, and that connects us with ourselves, so as a community. An International Café is that same tea that we have every morning but with international people that come here and don't know other people and don't have a community and just have that opportunity to connect with others. So every Friday at 7.30 from this week until I don't know when, um, we meet here in church. So if you know every, anybody that's an that's international student and is looking for something to do on Friday evenings, just invite him to be part of this. Thank you. Well done, Ezekiel. That's great. Um, yeah, well, cafe means, of course, food. Um, and, and we do produce good food as well, and not just coffee, uh, which we don't produce. Um, so, yeah, that's great. And it is a great place to meet if you are an international. So we do want to encourage you uh, with that. And it starts, as you'll see, I think there's a, an announcement there, number four, uh, this Friday at 7.30 p.m. Great. Okay, well, let's uh, turn in God's Word then to uh, John chapter 13. Sorry, John chapter 13. So I think it's around page 1081. And boys and girls, as I read this, um, there are two disciples that are mentioned by name. But there's also a third disciple as well, and if you can, uh, if you listen carefully, uh, he's given a title. Do you know that he, he describes himself in a particular way, which is to do with our subject that we've been thinking about. So you can. It's a hard question. I was kind of thinking about that this morning. So there are three disciples really mentioned in this reading. Uh, two of them are obvious, and one of them maybe not just so obvious. So again, just to get the context, if you haven't been with us, uh, this is following the washing of the disciples' feet. It is really at uh, what we call the Last Supper um, or the Passover meal. And uh, Jesus is now uh, addressing uh, the disciples, or at least some of them. Verse 18 is where we're going to start. This is God's word. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those who I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread 
has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Amen. Well, three disciples named. Okay, you give me all three. You were only meant to give me one, but that's right. Okay, so Peter, Judas, and the disciple, John, whom Jesus loved. Well done. Excellent. Okay, Ray, um, I think you're coming up. Good morning, boys and girls. When I was reading this passage during the week, the heading at the tar- at the beginning of it says, Jesus predicts his betrayal. And I thought to myself, betrayal, that is a pretty complicated word. And I thought, what would be a good example to try and explain betrayal? So, We just heard about Ireland winning the rugby match this morning, and that reminded me back 18 years ago, Ireland were in the soccer, the World Cup finals. And there was the most important player that Ireland had on their football team was a man called Roy Keane. You guys don't know, but I can see a lot of parents and grown-ups in the background here being very familiar. 
So Roy Keane had a disagreement, a row with the manager. And he said to himself, I'm not playing anymore. I'm gone. I'm going home. And he went away. And we, had, we were doing really very well. And we might have got to the quarterfinals. And the whole country of Ireland was divided. Roy Keane is a traitor. He's betraying his country. He's not doing the right thing. And the papers were full of all of this. Because Roy Keane let down his friends, let down his team. He left the football. He didn't play in the football match. Roy Keane betrayed Ireland, or so the newspapers were saying. So the story, the, the passage that we read from the Bible was Jesus predicts his betrayal. And, and the person who betrayed him was Judas. Now Judas had a special job as one of the disciples. What was his special job? What is? He managed the money. He took care. He had a purse, and anybody who gave them money, he looked after the money. But Judas was cheating when he was looking after the money. He was thinking of himself, and sometimes he would take money from the purse and use it for his own purposes, which was which was cheating and was stealing and was not very nice. And when uh, so he was, he was he was thinking of himself. He he also made a deal with the Pharisees, and the Far- he agreed to point out to Jesus when the soldiers came along to arrest him, and the Pharisees were going to pay him thirty pieces of silver. So the thing that was most in Judas's mind was money. He loved money. He wanted to get more money, and he was going to betray his friends and his best friend Jesus because he loved money too much. And it is really sad. Now, I was thinking, these 12 disciples, they did lots of things together. All all of them were in the boat when a big storm was raging. What did Jesus do? He calmed the storm. Judas was there. He was in the boat. He was afraid of his life. He was terrified. And he saw Jesus stand up and calm the storm. Judas was on the side of the hill when he was surrounded by thousands of people and they were all hungry. And what did Judas see Jesus do? He saw him break the bread, a small amount of bread and fish, and it passed around and it fed 5,000 people. Judas was right there when Jesus healed the leper and the the, the man with leprosy and the man who was lame. Judas saw all of these things happen. So it was very sad that that Judas would betray Jesus when he saw all of the amazing things that he was able to do. But the Bible tells us that this was not a surprise for Jesus. He knew exactly what was going on. And um, so how did Jesus know? How did Jesus know? Yes. He's God and he knows everything. He is God. He knows everything. God the Father knew that this was going to happen from a long time before. In fact, a thousand years before God inspired. That means God gave David the words to write in a psalm. And it's written in Psalm 41. And you can read it when you go home. You can read through Psalm 41 and you'll see how David describes 
my friend who ate the same bread as me will betray me. And that was a prophecy. That means, prophecy means that God knows something in advance. So he knew in advance that this was going to happen. And he was in control of the whole situation because this was part of God's plan. So then at the end of the passage that we read, um, Jesus said, I have to go away. And it's all part of God's plan right from the beginning of time. God knew this was going to happen. This is part of the plan. I'm going to go away, but it's a good thing that I go away. Peter said, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, you can't come with me yet. You will come with me. You will be with me at some point in the future. What he was talking about was heaven. What he was talking about was all of us who are Christians and love Jesus become part of his family. And Jesus went to God in heaven to make a place for us. Right from day one, right from the day, right from today, Jesus has that place planned for us. So guys, three things I want you to remember. Thing number one, three, Ruby, one, two, three, three things. Three things to remember. One is, um, what was one? (laughs) Three things I want you to remember. Um, One is, it is sad when somebody who knows Jesus uh, turns away from him because he loves something more. The most important things in our lives is to love Jesus and not to be distracted by other things. Second important thing, God is in control. Even when things around us seem to be bad and they don't seem to be going our way, God is in control and he works for the good of those who love him. Don't forget that. And the third thing, this is all part, part of God's plan. Jesus was, was going to die on the cross and was going to go back to the Father and he gave us a command and that command was to love one another to love one another exactly the same way that he loves us. And when we do that, the whole world will see that love in us and will know that we are followers of Jesus. Thank you for listening really well. Katie has a great song for us to sing now about love. Well, thank you, Ray. Thank you, Katie. Boys and girls, you're free to go. So there's a supervised crash downstairs for those who are three to not to three, and those who are aged four to fourteen can leave for Sunday school and uh, Sunday special in K two. I wonder how many of us have sung that chorus all our lives and never really realized there was such depth in it. Um, so thank you to Katie for explaining it so very well. Folks, if you've got your order service there, we'll just uh, run through these announcements quickly. Um, you'll see that we are continuing to preach in uh, John's Gospel. We'll look at 14 uh, next way, uh, time, really that whole idea of love preparing the way, and Jesus saying that he's prepared a mansion for us and what that means as well. If you've come with needs this morning, as I'm sure that many of you have, uh, then we would love to pray uh, to the Lord who cares deeply for us, uh, for you. And you can come to this little table over here. It's like a banqueting table uh, where you sit and you are ministered to as you just uh, uh, sort of open your heart and ask someone to pray for you. And that will be confidential and they'll not offer advice 
they'll just pray for you. You'll see that on Sunday the 13th, we're really trying to make this an event for uh, welcoming people into the church for the first time, uh, but also just to celebrate the fact that we are a church family, and uh, therefore um, we're having our barbecue on the 13th of October, and you can read all the instructions there about what would be helpful as we serve one another. It's also our harvest Thanksgiving service. Oh, yes, Tommy's waving something there. Okay, if you look back, this is Tommy, and you can uh, sign up uh, for all the different things there at the back. Okay, Um, International Cafe, as Ezekiel has said, is meeting this Friday, and we're going to start that with a a barbecue as well. And uh, so uh, come to the church at 7.30. Um, if, you sca- if you want to hear this, if you want a copy of the sermon, if you do struggle with English um, and you would like a copy of the sermon, then you can subscribe uh, to uh, the Google groups there uh, and I upload the sermon. Uh, today it was late, it was half past nine, um, but I'll, sometime in the morning, it will be Sunday morning, it will be uploaded. Um, Dublin's Women Convention, uh, they're looking at persevering in prayer. Uh, this is a very. Uh, this has been a growing event. Um, well over a hundred, maybe two hundred ladies uh, attend on the Saturday morning. Uh, the um, the speakers are good, and they have seminars as well. Um, and so, if you want to go, you can talk to Karen. And there are leaflets, I think, in the porch as well. And there's a couple of notices over the page as well, and uh, the schedule for our services as well. So we're going to sing another lovely hymn, uh, a hymn from our childhood perhaps, uh, a hymn that was written uh, in uh, Derry uh, as uh, the lady looked over the walls towards the hills of Donegal and she imagined that there was a green hill far away. And I just love that verse, he died that we might be forgiven, he died to make us good, that we might go at last to heaven, saved by his precious blood. So let's stand to sing this lovely hymn. There. Well, folks, we're going to look at this passage together. Um, John chapter 13, if you have it there, um, please uh, open your Bibles. And just to remind you, this is where we're situated. We're uh, still in the upper room Uh, They're still having their Passover meal. So let's pray and ask God uh, to speak to us. Father, it is our privilege to come and have the freedom to come and to sit unhindered and to listen to your word. And Father, we pray that we will, uh, Lord, engage with what you say to us. It's easy to listen, but not to do. We pray that we will listen and do. We pray that we will learn and that, Father, that you will encourage us in our Christian discipleship. And, Father, we pray that if there are here people here who have never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that, Father, that you might speak to them especially. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we did speak of Jesus here um, uh, teaching his disciples that before he left them via the cross, uh, he wanted to... Uh, encourage them to do what he was doing. So he illustrated that by washing their feet, a job of extremely lowly service, and he told his disciples that they were to wash one another's feet. And that means as his disciples, we are to serve each other 
endeavouring to meet each other's needs. And the question I want us to think about is, how have you done this week? That's what Jesus told you to do last week. That's what his word said to each of us, that we were to serve one another. How have we done? Husbands, how have you served in your families? Wives and children, have they felt how you have served them? Students, what about your lectures? Did they sense that you were serving them? Your fellow students, did they know that you cared for them? And what about me? Did I serve you? What about the elders? Did you sense that the elders cared for you and that they were serving you? Those who are employees, employers, did you feel that you were served and did you feel that others were giving to you? You see, when you apply this, folks, it quietens us, doesn't it? It, it kind of speaks to us. And, I, and by the way, I am sure that you did serve. I'm sure that in some way you did serve this week. And when you look back at that, you will know that the promise that Jesus gave us, that there is reward in service, that you were blessed. And so he wants us to do that, doesn't he? And yet if you're honest and I'm honest, our sinful nature reacts against such demands, exposing our sinfulness, and we, look, we need to look beyond the service, as it were, of washing the feet to that greater act of the cross and the forgiveness of our sins. And we must keep coming back to there, not just to emulate Jesus, but for the grace that he gives us in that. And folks, that's lesson number one, serving. As Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and we, we find the help of that, in the cross and the grace that it gives us. And today, of course, we're going to look at another um, uh, lesson as well. I think, I wonder if that's, uh, yeah, so that's what he's teaching us, that we, as I have loved you, we want to love one another. That's the lesson today. Um, it's very similar to the first, isn't it, about serving? It's about loving. And, and what really struck me about this, I think in verse 34, it's worth looking at, if you look at that. Uh, just two things by way of introduction. Um, he says you must love one another. That word must really struck me this week. I mean, we must do it. It's an instruction that we have to do. And he says it's a new command. You see there, it says it's a new command. And for those of you who are Jewish, or for those of you who know your Old Testament well, you'll know that this isn't a new command because it's talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter 19. And so that should make us stop Say, well, what does he mean? If it's not a new command, if it's already been said that we're to love God with all our heart and soul, if we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, that's already been said. What is different here? And if you look at it here, it says it here. Love one another as I have loved you. We are to love as Jesus loves us. And that's what we're going to be looking at as we go ahead, how does Jesus, and the way I've tried to break this up, and it's not true, I mean, I'm not going through it verse by verse. I want us to look at the, the love that Jesus had for Judas, who was his enemy. And I want to look at the love that he had for Peter, who was his friend.
And we'll try and contrast those two things. So Jesus' love for Judas is the first part. Um, and that's what we see there. That's him giving uh, the piece of bread. So we're in the room with the disciples reclining at the table. And the key moment is where Jesus gives this piece of bread dipped in the herb sauce and he passes it to Judas. And we may not understand this, but in the, in the Eastern culture, Middle Eastern culture, this is a tremendous act of love and of friendship. So Jesus is really saying to Judas that he wants him to love him, to respond to the love of Jesus, who had consistently included him and blessed him. And I was fascinated by the way that Rich, uh, Ray did his children's address, because to be, be fair, we never talked about this, but actually his talk is very similar to mine. Because in this passage, you get lots of ways, and I think Ray's illustrations are good in the sense, and better than I was, by going through the life of Jesus, you can see what the, ex, the experiences that Judas had. But if you look in verse 18, first of all, how did Jesus love Judas? Firstly, in verse 18, he was chosen. And as Ray rightly said, he had all the privileges of being with Jesus. I've just written here, he experienced close fellowship with Jesus, and he participated in everything the disciples were doing. And you can go through the life of Jesus, and you can include Judas in that, as Ray did, and you will see that he had this tremendous experience. You'll see, secondly, that he was the treasurer. Verse 29, we get an idea about that. It's towards the end of that passage. Judas had charge of the money. And he's talked about in 12, uh, the previous chapter in verse 6. So he was given this huge responsibility within the fellowship, within the discipleship grouping. Now, we must be clear that even though he had this great privilege, this chosenness, that he was not a, he was not a believer. If you look at verse 10, um, of chapter 13 as well, uh, it says, and you are clean, though not every one of you. So he was not a believer. And sadly, that's the position, isn't it? That was what happened. He did betray Jesus, even though he had all these experiences. And that is, that is sad, isn't it? It's sad that when our young people grow up in the church and they've had all the experiences of these things that they ultimately reject Jesus. Or it's sad when people, you know, have been coming to the church for 30, 40, 50 years, yet their hearts have never, ever responded to Jesus. They've had all the privileges, but they've never, never responded in love. Secondly, we see that Jesus is highlighting this in Psalm 41. Again, as Ray said, that's a very poignant saying, isn't it? Um, he who shares his bread... Um, he who shares my bread, that's friendship, by the way. That's what it means. He, he who is my friend has lifted up his heel against me. In other words, he's turned against him. I read Don Carson on this, and Don Carson says, numerous attempts at interpretation have been made, but he doesn't list any. But I really like David Gooding's interpretation because he basically was saying, this is like our stabbing in the back. We would say, he stabbed me in the back. That means that they didn't look at him face to face. He went round the back, and he did something on him unseen. And Jesus, and I think the picture here is of Judas lashing out with the back of his foot. And Ray, Ray had a football illustration, and I have a football illustration. 
Do you remember that? Who is that? David Beckham and Simeone. And what did David Beckham do? He kicked back and hit him with the back of his heel. And he got sent off, and England actually lost that game. Okay, so I think that's, you get the idea. If you hit somebody with your heel, I think you've kicked out of them. In that sense, it's from the back. And it's just an awful thing to do, isn't it? Um, and that is what, um, you know, that Jesus is really saying to, you know, saying to, to Judas, I have loved you. I've continued to love you. But you have kicked me, as it were, in the back. And I want us to see first in, in 21 as well, that this is not just, it's just not an academic idea. If you read 21, it says there, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. Jesus, Judas hurt him. Judas grieved him because he loved him. Jesus cared for him. And Jesus not only cared for him just in the sense of relationship, but he cared about his destiny. He cared that Judas was following a lie. He cared that Judas was turning away from the light to the darkness, that he was choosing to walk away from eternal life to eternal death. And it hurt him personally because the friendship was broken and there was genuine love for someone who he cared for. And lastly, in verse 26, the giving of the piece of bread was in then sense the final attempt, as we've already said, to effect a change in his heart. Judas is, Jesus is in effect saying, Judas, you have shared my bread, all friendship. I know you have kicked me in the back by agreeing to betray me for 30 pieces of silver. But before you do, here is once more my bread of friendship. Will you accept it? And Jesus is declaring to him and pledging to him friendship and loyalty. It was a genuine and a real attempt to save him. And sadly, Judas responds by further hardening his heart, allowing Satan to fully control him, verse 27. And he goes out into the night, which is a metaphor as well as a reality, and the tragic consequences for Judas and for himself, for Jesus, follow from that act of betrayal. So, folks, what can we learn from this? What is the reality of what we need to learn? And I think we need to learn that Jesus loves the sinner. I've really loved David Gooding. I mean, I've told you the story of David Gooding before, and Katie and I were up in Queens this week at our course, and uh, I did a Bible study with David Gooding. He was professor of Greek at Queen's University when I was there in the 1980s. He was an elder in a brethren church in Belfast. This is what he writes. It would have been lovely to hear Judas say this. Lord, I didn't know you knew, but now I see that you have found me out. I'm consumed by this dastardly, despicable lust for money and power that drives me to sell and betray you. If knowing all about it, you can still offer me the bread of your loyal friendship, then I need it above everything else. The devil himself seems to have got hold of me and is dragging me down to hell. 
Save me from myself. Save me from this appalling perversion. We are loved by Jesus. Judas was loved by Jesus to the very end. It's an amazing love. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. It's freely offered. And it's pictured powerfully in the act of Jesus giving this piece of bread to Judas. But it's amplified in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so the, the, the letter to the Romans says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the reality. Christ loves sinners, and he continues to do so. And secondly, though, sadly, Judas didn't love Jesus. You see, it appears that he served Jesus for what he could receive from it. Yes, he was in a position of the twelve. He did see the miracles of the feeding of the 5,000. He did participate in miracles. He probably even did miracles himself under the authority of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit that gave it, was given to him at that time. He certainly had power, hadn't he, within the group. He was the treasurer. He had the money. But he did not love Jesus personally. And if you want to know why I say that, if you turn back to chapter 12 and verses 1 to 8, you'll see this amazing act of love by Mary, Lazarus' sister, who anoints Jesus with perfume, doesn't she? This expensive perfume. Um, I think it was like a year's wages. Um, I should have read more about this story again. I'm just going on my memory. But um, how does Judas react? He's concerned about the money. He's concerned about what he could have got, gotten for himself. He did not, he couldn't understand how anybody could have genuine affection for Jesus. He didn't share it. He didn't understand it. And he was upset when others showed Jesus such love. And folks, it's very clear that so often for those who have been privileged to grow up in the church but have never accepted Jesus, we're like privileged children. We receive everything from, from our fathers. And then when we come of age, we, as it were, and the story is told of one father who bought his son a plane and he flew away and never came back again. Because there's no relationship. There's no love for the father even though the Father has given them everything that they want, whether it's gifts in terms of their ability to do sport, their ability to be good at a certain culture, their ability to do well at their job. But we have no time for God, no love in our hearts. And it's a sobering challenge, isn't it? Do we love Jesus? Do we really love him? Do we want to talk to him? Do we want to hear what he says in his word? Do we want to serve him? Are we willing to commit ourselves to him? Judas is an extreme example of someone incredibly privileged, but who never loved Jesus. And we love because he first loved us. And lastly, folks, just to drive this home a little bit, and it's a moral imperative to us, isn't it, as well? 
that we are to love our enemies as Jesus did. Not going to say much more than that. Ray was saying that as well, I think. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Sermon on the Mount. I tell you, love your enemies. Sermon on the Mount. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, that's what Jesus was. And Romans 2, it is your kindness that leads to repentance. When we recall the love that we have experienced from Jesus as sinful people, we follow his example by offering friendship and love to those who are our avowed enemies. It's the way of the church. It's why the crusades were so wrong. It's how we break down the barriers of enmity towards God is by love. And that's what we see in this and in the cross. And then we're going to just look at Peter, I think. Um, Jesus' love for Peter in this as we move on. Um, I've kind of skipped to verse 33 there. Um, I just want to kind of work through these verses a little bit with you um, as we uh, look at this. Uh, Peter responds to Jesus' declaration in verse 33 that he will be leaving them. Uh, They will look for him, but he is very clear that where he is going, they cannot come. So Peter's question is, Lord, where where are you going? Verse 36. And if we had to answer that, I don't, I mean, where I suppose I went maybe primarily to death, but I, I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he is talking about resurrection and ascension, as Ray said. And we know that because I think in the second part of verse 36, he says, but you will follow later. And he's talking about his death on the cross, about a cross where Peter traditionally is crucified upside down um, and ultimately following him into heaven. But Peter's statement of verse 37 is what interests us because he says there, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. He's enthusiastic. He loves Jesus. He's regenerate. He's clean. He's different um, to Judas. He is a believer. Uh, We're already told that. Um, but he has to learn a painful lesson, hasn't he? One that good intentions are not enough, that knowing Jesus is not enough, and that we are incapable of living for Jesus as we would like. More boldly stated, we do not love Jesus as we should. And I, and I was looking at this, I, I suppose if you want to look at a passage that describes this, it's like Romans chapter 7 and verse 14 where Paul is really saying, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, and what I hate, I do. Interesting, isn't it? And, and I think God has a sense of humor. I've often said this, and I wasn't sure if I would tell you this or not. But So I was really tired yesterday. I did my hockey thing in the afternoon. We got beat, and that kind of depresses the spirit a little bit. And then I came home and we had a fantastic meal for uh, Peter cooked this lovely meal for his mum because it was her birthday. Um, And then I thought, you know, I should go into the study and I should just spend some time praying for the service. But what did I do instead? Richard, you're laughing. What do you think I did? It's related to television. Huh? Well, Man City, yes, I did watch that later, but that wasn't it, yes. By the way, Man City won 8-0, in case you didn't know. What did I do instead of praying? 
It's, it's bizarre, isn't it? I watched Strictly Come Dancing, yes. And I got really hooked on it. And I'm in the middle of it, and I sense the Spirit saying to me, Sam, you should pray. And I said, I'll just watch another one. And actually, there were 16 of them or something. And then the time had kind of gone. Now, I laugh at that. I've repented of that. I've said sorry about that. And, you know, and I mean that. And it's a silly illustration. But I I think what I'm trying to say is there are things in our hearts that we love more than Jesus. And until we understand that and know that we're still loved in it, then we'll never grow. And we'll still have the same battles when we're 50 as when we're 20 or when we're 70. We need to understand what Paul understood, that the things I want to do, I don't do, because we still have within us this desire for self, desire for pleasure, desire for rest, not bad things in themselves. And Jesus actually lets Peter go ahead here, doesn't he? I think that's what's loving about it. And again, it would have been lovely if Peter had said, and again, I'm indebted, uh, indebted to David Gooding for this, what, what would have Pete, what had happened if Peter had stopped and said, Lord, I cannot believe it. I'm not that kind of man. I don't think I'd watch strictly rather than pray. I don't think I'd have this weakness that you would talk of, that you talk of. But if I have, and you know best, then please tell me how I may overcome it and be saved from this ugly thing that you say I'm going to do. How often do we pray like that? And what would have been different about Peter's life had he prayed like that? Rather than rely on himself and his own self-confidence and his own love for the Lord Jesus. Peter thought he had the resources, the determination, the love for Jesus, but he didn't have the understanding of his own heart. And he had to learn painfully that Jesus knew him better by far. What an incredibly skilled counselor Jesus is. What extraordinary patience and love he shows in allowing Peter to come face to faith with his sinful weakness. To overcome sin, it must first be acknowledged and faced. Peter also goes out into the night, does exactly what Jesus said he would do, disowns him three times and curses him and ends up deeply aware of his sinful failure. But the difference is, is he wept bitterly. Peter wasn't ready to follow Jesus. But as we know the end of the story, there's a better uh, a hope. And there's hope in this in verse 36. You will follow later. And it's a lovely story to read that story of repentance. And I, I suppose I want us just to see that, folks. I want us to see the, the sin in our own hearts and not be condemned by it because Jesus has already paid the price for it. But let's ask the question, what stops you praying? What stops you reading the Bible regularly? What stops you coming to church every Sunday? What stops you serving Jesus? What's more important? And Jesus loves us enough to point these out so that we will acknowledge it and that we will seek his help. And he shows us the path to glory is through suffering. The path to life is through death.
itself. And that's where we finish, isn't it, the path to glory? Because we haven't said much at all about verses 31 to 35. Jesus wants us to have a loving, wants to have a loving relationship with us. He is a loving father who wants nothing else but to spend time with his children, not just for 70 years or 90 years, but for eternity. And the purpose of that is glory, his glory and ours. And the only way that can be achieved is for him to die on the cross and to leave us. And John says in this later letter that we read part of, John 3, John, 1 John 3, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not been made known. And why did he have to go away? Because we know that when he appears the second time, he sh- we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He wants to perfect us. He wants us to be glorified. He wants us to know to be like himself perfectly. And you see, Jesus ultimately loved us by leaving us so that we might have the means of being perfected and being made glorious. He understands our sinful hearts and continues to love us even to the end. And he will point out our sin and, oh, and help us uh, and offer us the help that it takes. And profoundly, when we have experienced and know such love, then we will begin to learn lesson two. And do as he says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Amen. Well, I think we'll respond to that by singing. And we're going to uh, sing Christ triumphant, ever reigning. Again, his the glory and the crown. Let's just praise our great God. Seated. Well, let's worship God. Let's worship our great God as we give our offering to him just now. Well, folks, our time has moved on, but I just want to share with you two stories as I pray for others, and I'll I'll keep these brief. Um, I've been reading the Church and Chains um, magazine, and if there's some more out there, I would encourage you to lift them. They're mainly about China. Um, But this is about a situation in Pakistan And it really moved my heart, I have to say, this week, and I I was pleading with God about this. So this is a a couple called Shagufta and Shafgat. And uh, Shafgat is uh, paralyzed from the waist down. And they've been sentenced to death for blasphemy. They're a married couple, and they've been accused of sending blasphemous text messages, despite the fact that the messages were in English and they are illiterate. They did not get a fair trial. They are innocent, and they have been in prison since 2013 in separate prisons and are awaiting appeal hearings. And I wrote below it, injustice, cruel, and six years. And then I just want to mention Annie to you, uh, just to say that Annie is recovering well, and that she has now moved from the intensive care to the high dependency unit and now into her own ward. I got a text from her this morning at about five past ten, and she said she had a croissant for for her breakfast. Uh, So that's good. Um, And, you know, I have to say as well, the other thing that encouraged me about Annie was that not just that she's physically improving, but even though this has been a huge setback for her, that her spirit is good. 
that she's positive, not just emotionally, but that she's thankful for, to God and that she trusts him at this point in time. And that is a real encouragement. So let's just pray for those two situations um, for a, a few moments this morning. Father, you know that Shagufta and Shafgat are in prison in Pakistan. And Father, when we read it, it is cruel. It is unjust. And Father, it is a desperate situation that they face. And Father, how do two people who are illiterate sustain themselves in their faith in Jesus Christ? Father, we simply bring them before you. And we pray that and we plead with you that you will bring them justice, and that, Father, that you will bring them comfort in the midst of such distress. And, Father, we thank you that we can come to you and give praise for what you've been doing in Annie. We are so saddened that her operation didn't work the way that it was supposed to, but we thank you for this recovery now. And, Father, we thank you that she's well this morning, and we pray that you will continue to make her better. But, Father, we are thankful that in the midst of her suffering, that she sees you and that she's holding on to you. And so we praise you for her faith, and we praise you for her love of you in the midst of difficult circumstances. And we pray that in both of these situations, Lord, that we will understand that we have a relationship with you, can talk to you about them, about how they feel, how we feel about them, what we're thinking about them. And that, Father, that we are, we are assured that you as our Heavenly Father and as their Heavenly Father hear our prayers and will answer them according to your will. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand to sing Love Divine, All Love's Excelling, one of my favorite hymns, and just again, celebrating the love of the Lord Jesus. Well, let's serve one another as we say these good words to each other. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.